There we go. My name's Todd. And this is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Pop Culturing, where we talk about movies and TV from a Gen X perspective. Or Gen Z. Or Gen Z. Because we we have another child here today, one of our children. Actually, she's not a child. She is a... I'm a preteen. Preteen. Is that different than adolescence? I don't know what that is. I think adolescence is the umbrella. Uh And then there's, Skylar, you used to always say the the levels. There's pre-adolescent. What are they? Pre-tween. Pre-tween. Tween. Tween. Pre-teen. Wow. That's a lot to, to yeah, you you lost me. Um, You said three things. So how old are you? Uh, 13, 12? I'm 12. 12. You're going to be 13 in September, though. Yes. That'll be fun. Yes. All right. Um, we're doing a show called Little Fires Everywhere. They're everywhere. And I like to call the show Fireflies yeah, for that's, some reason. That's, that's what you called it. Nobody knew what you're talking about. It's a Hulu original, Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington. Uh-huh. Should we jump into the trailer or do you want to talk about why we wanted to do this on pop culture? Why don't, well, why don't you play the trailer so All people right. know what this is? Um, and should they be listening if they haven't seen it? To completion. I wouldn't. I would. I mean, maybe. No. Wait to finish it. Wait to finish it and then join us because I don't know. I can't remember what happened in which episode. So we might spoil something. Well, we're going to totally. We're going to talk about the ending. Yes. Right. All right. So here's the trailer. Elena, someone burned down your house with you inside. Do you know anyone that would do this? One day you wake up and your life is settled and you know who you are, or at least you think you do. This is Mia, everyone. She's new to Shaker. Hi, Mia. Hi. Do you even know anything about this woman? I saw her sleeping in her car. You rented to a homeless person. You know what felt good? Helping. I've been meaning to hire someone for my house. Just to do a little light cleaning, some laundry. You mean to be your maid? I meant more of a house helper. Did I do the right thing? Running from the truth? A good mother makes good choices. Who doesn't make good choices? Who had good choices? Have you really looked at yourself? The parts you're afraid to look at. All right. Little fires, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. I think that's one of the best lines of the whole thing. You didn't make good choices. You had good choices. Which speaks specifically to race. It does. Well, race and class. Yeah. I kept every time I would ask Cameron to come down and watch with us, Skyler watched with us the whole time. But I'd say, Cameron would be like, why? And I'd be like, it's about race, it's about class. She's like, you say that every time. Yeah. But I was it's it's deep. And I wanted the conversation is um the conversations I think are valuable. And there's a few um things where we had to tell Skylar to look away, right? <laughs> no, I looked away all on my own. Oh, you did? Uh-huh. You didn't need our, our indicator? No. Skylar and I decided there was like about 2.5 sex scenes per <laughs> episode. Yeah. And while they weren't super graphic, 
they were, I mean, this is what I'll say. Skylar is 12. She's watched a lot of things earlier than her older sisters have because she's our third child and yeah. she's been exposed to a lot. Um, so she has watched things like this before and we are like, sure. So you know how Skylar, sometimes it sucks to be the youngest. One of the benefits to being the youngest is you get to watch more adult movies earlier in your childhood than JC and Cameron did. Do you feel lucky about that? I guess so, but like, I didn't really care when Jason Cameron were being, like, they never really got to see movies, like. Well, you're saying your experience, you're not comparing your experience to theirs in no. that regard. Got it. Right. And you know, what I appreciate, I'm just going to make things up right now. Well, that's is what we that, do on pop well, culture. Well, I was just thinking about right before we started was that we're going to talk about the themes of this show and Skylar and I throughout this school year, including e-learning, we talk about themes in literature. Oh, and that, I hate theme. Right. And this is why I think you'll enjoy this because we always, when Skylar was struggling with theme with the books, and so I started talking to her about themes in movies because you're such a, or TV shows, because you're a big like movie TV show person. So like, what do you think the theme of Parks and Rec is? I don't know. <laughs> I hate theme. I know, but what you is that? You hate it because you had to do an assignment and right. you didn't get it. Right. Do you understand what I a theme is? I had to do many is? assignments. Do you know what a theme is? Yeah. What it is. Well, instead of asking you what it is, I'll give my best guess. Okay. A theme is like kind of an overall um, feeling or meaning behind some piece of art. Yeah. It's like, what's the thread running through? Yeah. And like, and the thing that's, that can suck about school, I'll just kind of... Um, relate to you, Skylar, in this way, is you can have a feeling about what you think the theme is, and then a teacher will say, wrong. Yeah. And so you're like, oh, but that was what I got out of it. And so that can be difficult, um, especially with literature. Like, because I look at Parks and Rec, and I think, I mean, it's a TV show, but I think it's really about, like, really hardworking people figuring out how to work together. Yeah. You know, every episode is kind of like they come apart and come back together in some way. And but I bet if I said that in a class, that would not be the theme. So how about we start there? I know, sweetie, you're okay. going to do most of this, but I have an idea. And we did this with Cameron with Lost. OK, Skylar, Kathy, we're just going to go over characters. OK. And just tell me the few first few things that pop up when I say the person's character. And then I'll say with the actress so everybody knows who I'm talking about. All right. You guys ready? Uh-huh. Uh, Elena. Type A. What do you think when you when you hear Elena? What kind of mom was she? I don't know. Was she a good mom? I don't think she was a very good mom. Why not? Because she... I'm so nervous. <laughs> She's <laughs> like in school. Do you wish you had Elena as your mom? <laughs> no. Why? What did she do that you didn't like? She's very controlling. There you go. Yeah, but she really was good at the lunches and making sure everybody went to school the on color time. coding. Color coding lunches. So why don't we do this so Skylar doesn't feel like she's in school? Because yeah. I just told her she wouldn't have to like. Yeah, she I said I didn't want to talk very much. And oh, I said, you did That's fine. Oh, I'm just trying to be inclusive. So you just like, we'll look at you. And if you have something you want to say, then please do. All right. Fair enough. Okay. What do just, you think of Elena? Um. Well, like I said, I already said she's type A, she's controlling. And and what we'll get into when we talk about like each of these themes is that she um, felt that she was, and this is an overriding theme, she felt she was a good person. 
She was pretty convinced she of it. She thought she was a good person. And so with that said, I don't think she was a horrible monster, I but she had monstery qualities. Yeah, there's some moments that were monstrous. Right. But that's that theme. Like, think about... Do you guys remember the picture above Mia's fireplace? And do you remember how it looked like people would come look at it? And it and she, I think even when Pauline gave it to her or when they were working on it together, she said, I look like a monster. And she's like, well, there's monster in all of us. Right. You know what I mean? So I guess the point is, is that you can be trying to do good things, but have monster qualities. Right. So, um, Carrie Washington's character, sweetie, what do you think? Mia. Well, Mia was running and Mia was conflicted about whether or not she made a good choice in her life. And that kept her running. She didn't, um, her choice that she didn't stop to consider whether what she was doing Wow, this is so hard to talk about because she actually, a lot of choices she made in her life were for her daughter, but she didn't stop to consider the emotional toll mm-hmm. it took on her daughter. Right. Does that make sense? It does. Um, so that would be, I mean, there's so much more to say about both Elena and Mia, but those would be my first impressions. What about Pearl? Well, Skyler and I like, well, uh, at the end, she was a little struggling yeah she had a bad episode or two but for the most part she was a pretty consistent protagonist oh i don't agree do you agree i don't think she she was she she was more morally and ethically in tune than most of the other people on the show all right okay i just think that she well first of all let me let her off the hook she's 15 yeah. So we shouldn't. She shouldn't have to be compared to grownups. Right. True. Um, and I think the reason I looked at Skylar is because we had big moments of annoyance with Pearl. Yes. Like because she, she was very hard on her mom about certain things that she was doing herself. Yes. Um. So you know, it just was. She was incongruent. Mm. But she's also a kid, and the expectation that teenagers should be rebelling. Skyler, you should be rebelling. Don't no, Skyler, don't rebel. Never rebel. Don't never rebel. Never disagree with us. Ever. We know what's best. Okay. <laughs> Good. Good talk. Um, okay, next. Um, There's so many to go through. Are you gonna go through every single no, person? No, just the main people. Okay. What about Bill Richardson? Pacey? Pacey. He wasn't good. Yeah, what was... (laughs) Pacey was... um, I call him Pacey because that's the character he played in Dawson's Creek. Correct. He's just kind of a vacant dad who really wasn't invested in what was going on in his house. He was oblivious to... Well, no, No, wait a second. No, he wasn't oblivious. He wasn't because Izzy confided in him. Mm -hmm. Do you remember? She did? Yeah. Okay, so there was a point when Elena was questioning... Um, Bill, that's his name, about why the kids were teasing Izzy. And Bill said he understood why and that he had confided, she had confided in him about April and her relationship. Oh, Do you remember that? I don't. I was I missed that episode. And then Elena said, well, I don't know why she wouldn't tell me I'm her mother. And Bill said, well, at least she's confiding in one of us. Mm. Do you remember yeah, that? I didn't see that one either. 
So probably maybe, early on. Well, that was probably when I started it once without you guys. Do you remember that night? Don't be starting movies without us. You guys walked downstairs and you're like, I didn't know we were going to watch this. Yeah. Um, but I think that why that was important is, is he wasn't, he, he was a, a, I mean, they couldn't fully flesh him out, meaning he wasn't a primary character, but he wanted to be connected, but he was also feeling like he had to follow the party line of Elena and he also had his own, I think he felt like he had already sacrificed enough. He didn't want to live in that house. He wanted to do different things. And I think he felt forced to do what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then if that was the case, then he was going to make his own choices from yeah. then on. Yeah. And I would say that he, um, you know, he's a prototypical, prototypical guy. I'll be the lawyer. You do all the stuff at home. Yes. Right. Like, remember, do you remember when Izzy, when Izzy was a baby and she was like, Elena was like, um, you know, like Struggling, losing it. Yeah. And he didn't understand what yeah. she needed at all. Yeah, he picked her up for like 10 minutes, like, okay, it's your turn. Right. Even though you've been mothering for the last four years of your life and right. giving up your body and everything else. And he was also like, don't worry, having four won't be any different than three, which not she, quite. she was like... Four is different than yes. three. Yes. Um, okay. So anybody else? Um, well, we can go down the whole line, which we won't. But Just the next say one the names that shows of the kids. Um, okay, Lexi, Lexi. She's the oldest, oldest daughter. She's a senior. Izzy, yeah, the youngest daughter. She's a freshman. Good old Moody. Moody's a sophomore. Who's one of my faves? And good old Trip. Trip is a junior. Yes. And then good, don't forget about BB Chow. BB Chow is someone who works with um, Mia. Um, thank you, Sky Mia at the Chinese restaurant. And she ends up being a primary character because come to find out that she had given up her baby and that a woman who is one of Elena's best friends had adopted her, but the adoption was not complete. Yes. And BB wanted her baby back. And this becomes kind of the focal point that divides Mia and Elena. Yes. Even though there's other things that are dividing them, that's, wouldn't you guys say that's the that thing? That's the main thing. That's the catalyst that's the main thing. that right. really got them divided. Exactly. So um, those are the people. So, and, um, you know, and then there's, you know, Lexi has a boyfriend named Brian. Um, and then Moody and Pearl are like best friends. But Pearl has a thing for Trip. Which I don't understand. Really? Well, he's older, I guess, but they kind of look like brothers and they look the same. But uh, no. Well, Moody and Trip were completely different people. I know. Moody was nicer. Trip was just a bully. Well, not I, in the end. No. No, not in the end, but the first six episodes. He's like beating up his brother all the time. He's too cool for school. He's Mr. Football stud dude. Whereas good old my guy Moody was just like a nice, gentle guy. Well, see, here's the where you kind of have to get into the depth of the characters because they gave us some flashbacks that were really helpful. One of them was that when they were children and they had a lemonade stand, Lexi was in charge because she was, she was the telling everybody what to do. She said to Trip, "Help me with the coins or counting the coins or whatever," and Trip couldn't do that. And she said, "Just get Moody; he knows math." Mm. So what you're getting from that is that Trip was kind of the you know stereotype dumb jock yep. and that Moody was the smart one and so they kind of live they like lived into that and then they said to Izzy go get go do something for us yeah you have to go do something for us she was kind of like the the runt yeah kind of reminded me when I told my sister she had to be cheerleader when me and my brother were playing football on the front lawn and be like oh you could be cheerleader 
Like we just threw her a bone, but it really wasn't very kind. Right. Sorry, Shane. I know she'll listen to this. Right. You just basically were like, you can't participate with what we're doing. Yeah. So they were laying the foundation for then the personas that these four kids, because these four kids felt like they had to had to be perfect mm-hmm. too. Yes. Izzy was not having it. Izzy wasn't drinking the Kool-Aid. And Moody has a moment with her at the dance where he says, you don't take crap and you are yourself and nobody can tell you who to be. And I love that about you. Don't you think they're the close, that's the closest relationship between the four siblings? Yes. Moody and Izzy? Yes. Yes. Moody and Izzy were the, um, I think they had the most in common or as far as the most amount of respect for each other. Um, they actually had kind of a little friendship group. Yep. Um, and they were closest in age. Yeah. Right? Where Tripp and Lexi were kind of more in the stereotypical popular So crowd. Lexi was a senior? Lexi was a senior. Was was Tripp a junior? Tripp was a junior. And then Moody was like... Sophomore. Sophomore. Oh, the bang, 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 bang. Yeah. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah, she said she has a bunch of points where she says, all my kids are in high school this year. Got Elena it. says that. So that's the characters. Do you want me to play any of these clips? Um, in a second. Um, so the first theme of this show is order versus disorder. Yes. Okay. So order Elena. Is, is Elena. Yeah. And disorder is... A lot of people. Most everybody <laughs> and else. And Elena, too. Meaning that Elena... Well, underneath, there was some disorder going on in Elena. She was more living from the outside in. Correct. And she was not making the best choices in other aspects of her life. And so there was this protection against disorder. Yeah. But certain characters like Izzy and Mia represented a more... And when I say disorder, that they weren't going to follow a party line. Right. That they were more... Um, willing to be more rebellious if it be in society or if, you know, who they were, who... And they had some things in common, um, you know, that... And again, we can do spoilers, right? Yes. Okay. That's why we're here. So, you know, their sexuality, which mm-hmm. they... Izzy, one of the storylines is that Izzy has been having a relationship with her friend April and at some point, they, it's kind of a long story, but they get busted kissing. And so April turns on her and says... Got busted playing seven minutes in heaven. Right. And April turns on her and is like, oh my God, she was all over me. And then then all of a sudden, Izzy is an outcast. And Mia, I don't think Mia ever felt like an outcast because of her sexuality. Now, maybe in the book, they went deeper into that, but her first love was a woman who was a famous artist. Yeah. So they're eventually even though they're kind of picking up on this, each other, it, you know, there's some, some indicators that they both may love women. Right. Um, there is, it, it's confusing because some of the 2.5 sex scenes that Sky was not watching was um, Mia having sex with men. Yeah. So she, and again, it doesn't matter how she defines her sexuality, but you don't really know she's had a relationship with a woman until the end, right? Until they start doing flashbacks, right? Yeah. And she has a really lovely comment when Lexi, excuse me, Izzy. when Pearl. Oh, Pearl. Yeah. Well, what I was going to say, do you remember when Pearl says that she had been with Trip, and she's sharing with her mom um, that she had been with Trip, and she asked her mom you know, the first time you had sex, mm-hmm. you know, what was that like? And her mom said, the first person I was ever with 
I loved very, very much. And that was Pauline. Right. So there's like... Not her dad. Well, she didn't love... Right, I know. But when I first heard that, right. that's who I would have assumed that she was talking about. Correct. And I think Pearl was bummed it wasn't that it wasn't her dad. It wasn't until after the fact you found out that she was artificially inseminated. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And that that... I, I sure hope people have seen this because we're going to give away all the things. Yeah. Well, um, we've already told them. So... Uh, so one of the things that, first of all, this was a book, Little was it Fires Everywhere. Little Fires Everywhere? It was called Little Fires Everywhere. And I've got a story, Skyler, you'll like this story too. So the author, Celeste Ng, is her, how you pronounce her name, it's, it's spelled N-G, but it's pronounced Ng, like I-N-G. Um, she had loved the adaptation of Big Little Lies mm. that Reese Witherspoon did. Okay. She so Big Little Lies was written by Leanne Moriarty, different got it, author. Got it. Now I'm with you. But when Celeste Ng wrote Little Fires Everywhere, she because she had loved the adaptation of um, Big Little Lies, she sent an early copy to Reese mm. because Reese has a production company called Hello Sunshine, and she her her hope actually uh, you can play it sure um, which one is this the second one that you sent to me uh, what does it say it says Reese Witherspoon Carrie Washington talk little fires yeah, everywhere play that I think you know that it was a dream of mine that you would read the book and then want to produce it and start I didn't know that yeah. it's seriously I know. Why obsessed with Big Little Lies, as everyone in the world was. I turned around and said, wouldn't it be amazing if in some magical universe, Reese Witherspoon read my book and wanted to produce it and oh, wanted to be Elena. But so, so my question is, when both of you <laughs> read the book, what made you think that it would it would be right to bring to the screen? The book is incredibly the book is so atmospheric and mm-hmm. cinematic. And when you're reading it, you can see it already. I mean, you paint these glorious pictures of both the outside world that they're living in and the time period, but also of, of their internal lives. What is it like to play Elena Richardson and, and bring her to life? Oh, my goodness. The first day was really difficult. I was is that good? Yeah. I mean, they go into their characters, but it Got goes it. on for a lot longer. So that was Celeste Ng with the two of them, with Carrie Washington and Reese Witherspoon basically saying, this was my dream. Mm-hmm. And what I read was that she actually, after she had the manuscript, before it like was out for everybody to buy, she sent the book to Reese's production company, hoping that they would make it. So one of the lines from the book um, is that that kind of sets the stage for this, for the book and the miniseries, is that um, most communities just happen, but the best are planned. And this is talking about Shaker Heights where it's, you know, and it says um, planning completely rules the world. Um, It allows the, it avoids the unseemly, the unpleasant and the disastrous. So why most communities happen, the best are planned is important is that Shaker Heights was an experiment actually in in a social experiment that they wanted to keep the, that community they wanted to keep it diverse. Mm -hmm. They didn't want it to be segregated. And so this what happened was, I mean, there was a lot, there's a lot of beauty to that. Mm-hmm. Oak Park, Illinois is sure. very similar, but they, there's also this belief or this was in the nineties, the language of people used is they're like, Oh, we're colorblind mm-hmm. or we don't see difference. And that's not reality. Mm-hmm. There, there is, if you're not seeing, there's actually a great um, conversation between Lexi and her boyfriend, Brian, who's African-American who says, he says, do you see that I'm black? Yeah. And she's like, why should that matter? Why should that matter? And he's like, but that's 
who I am. That's me. Yeah. And this is the thing about Shaker Heights is there's kind of a, an avoiding mm-hmm. of, you know, they want everything to be pristine and perfect and planned cleansed. and cleansed. Filtered. And they don't want anything to be unseemly or unpleasant. There is no color. Correct. So, you know, five years ago, I, you know, I've done a little bit of cultural work in regards to men's work. Your fragility too. <clears throat> and um, I first 40 some odd years of my life were like, oh yeah, you don't see color and all that. Because I've worked with certain men of color now is that's like an insult of course. to them. Yes. And I didn't know that before. I'm like, no, you're, we're not, we're all supposed to not see color. And they're like, well, then you don't see me Correct. at all. Correct. So it's a, it's a, it's a, as we would, you know, the, the language would be, it's a whitewashing. Yeah. It's saying, I don't see it because I don't have to see it. Right. Because I don't deal with the oppression, so I'm not going to look. Sure. And what that is is it adds to the problem. Mm. It for you know what we're talking about, it adds fuel to the fire. So um, order versus disorder. So does anybody have any other comments about that as like one of the themes? No, I mean there's just a you know on the surface everything seems in order, and then there's a bunch of crap going on underneath that Correct. comes out by the you know obviously throughout the series throughout the mini series, but the last episode. So I don't know if you remember this guy there, but do you remember her Elena's house at Christmas? Uh-huh. And the decorations? Yeah, they it was all planned down the line. That's just like our house, the way I do buy <laughs> What's so funny? Yeah, it's just she ordered a whole team of people for the lights. Well, I know, but I do the work that those that, that team of people would do. Don't you think that our house looks the same as their house on the show? Yeah. She's being kind. We are... We try to do our own decorations. No, there's no trying, sweetie. We do our own decorations. We do our own decorations. And and let me just say that they are far from perfect, but they are done with love and Yeah, um, we like to make it a little messy. It's messy. Um, We don't like to whitewash anything. Well, that's different. I know. I'm just combining two examples into one, sweetie. Right. We don't, but that's for, that's focused on another issue. We don't like to make, pretend that something looks perfect when there's no such thing, right? And do you, I don't know if either of you are going to remember this, but there's this scene toward the end when Pearl and Mia uh, pull up in front of the house and the lights on the outside of the house that are perfect start to flash a little oh, bit. Yeah, like yeah, there's yeah. some bulbs going out. Yeah. Do you remember that? It's metaphorical, right? Completely. Like this like facade. It's about, it's about to hit the fan. Exactly. The this, house of cards is about to get torn down. Exactly. There's a lot of those little moments that, you know, I don't know if we call them Easter eggs. They're just, yeah. you know. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. So the next one and again these are big words but but hear me because this is really focused on the intention of the book altruism do you guys know what altruism is no um isn't it like uh doing something for charity or doing something for the sake of helping yeah giving for the sake of helping so being altruistic is you know and then versus manipulation okay like why do we do the nice things that we do so elena right was really big into helping Correct. Which could be viewed as altruistic, right? When in fact there was always a secondary underlying reason why she was doing it. Correct. One of those underlying reasons was because she wanted to be perceived a certain way. Yes. And because she wanted to hide her own discomfort with certain things by giving. Yeah. You know, she lives from the outside in. Like when she helped Pearl with the school thing. Right. Exactly. Like she. A lot of, or like the when, whole series is about Elena helping. 
but if you think hurting. About it. But hurting. Correct. Yeah. Manip- and this is why I like the difference between those words, altruism versus manipulation, because she'll say, again, the theme, I'm a good person. Yeah. But the choices she's making are hurting people, like, you know, trying to pay BB off with $10,000, yeah. totally backfired on right. her. Um, telling Pearl the story that should have come from Mia, mm-hmm. totally backfired on her. Um, I'm trying to think of some other things, like getting involved in you know, or not being involved enough, but getting too involved in Izzy's life Mm -hmm. and saying, here's what you need to do. You need to go to homecoming. You need to, you know, micromanaging Izzy. Well, just, yeah, telling her to wear her hair a certain way. Exactly. It's your best feature. Yeah. It's your best feature. No, when they were at the hair salon, she said she, Izzy said she went one way and then she's like, we have to consider your bone structure. (laughs) Yikes. Yikes. (laughs) And that is so, like... Can you imagine? I, there was all these moments I was probably annoying to Skylar because I was I, every time something like that would happen, I'd be like, "If you want to get your haircut, you can." Like it, I was kind of joking. I wasn't yeah. trying to be, you know. You're trying to make sure you're differentiating your style versus Elena's. Well, style. two things: making fun of Elena mm-hmm. through my own lens, and also when a parent puts their kid, it, you know, it's like, okay, they're going to get their haircut. And again, Izzy wasn't like, shave all my hair off. She was just like, this is the kind of look I want. And for her mom to be like, no, because I need you to look a certain way. I mean, that is a theme. Skylar used to walk to uh, preschool with her jacket on backwards. Why'd you do that? I don't know. Well, I didn't care. I thought it was kind of cool. Skylar, you had, um, when you were really little, especially like preschool, you had really interesting style. Yeah, you'd have like um, striped tights. I then, loved my style. Then like vertical lines on your skirt. It was crazy. I loved I, your style too. I, I'd wear tights and then a skirt over it. Yeah. But yeah, and then a crazy shirt. Yeah, the and good then, old days. And then, a ha- and then your coat on backwards. I can't believe I would dress like that. I yeah, know. and we let you out of the house that way. It's one of my most you proud. You guys never dressed me. No, we didn't. No, what, what's the point? You dress yourself. <laughs> do you, Well, now in hindsight, do you wish I would have dressed you? No. Good. <laughs> but when I look at videos, um, there's some differences with me and my other friends in old videos. <laughs> like I'm wearing this giant skirt and shirts and they're they're like in like pink overalls. That's because their like, parents were like Elena. <laughs> well, not necessarily. Yeah, like, that's the way it is. No, not necessarily. But I think that sometimes there are, I think the intention behind not worrying about because we always made sure you had clean clothes and you know you got a lot of clothes because you had two older sisters was the only way that I think you can find your own style is if you find your own style and I think sometimes that when you get older if someone has been dressing you your whole life or telling you what looks good based on their perception you don't trust your own style yeah and so then you're just trying to please somebody else which is what one of the the saddest things a saddest moment I think in the show there's a lot of sad moments but is when Izzy decides to go to homecoming and do her hair a certain way that's when her mother shows her love do you remember that yeah I wasn't there for that one when she shaved her legs for her did you see that yeah you were oh maybe she went upstairs I don't know it's so basically it's the one time you saw Lena act like a mom. But the only reason she did is because Izzy did what she said. Yeah, she fell into uh, into line. 
she felt she's like, oh, good. She's doing what I expect her to do. She looks the way I expect her to look. Now I'll show her love. And I think parents do that unknowingly a lot. Mm -hmm. I was actually just listening to a podcast and I can't remember who it was. Um, It doesn't matter, but about how kids were asked, do you think your parents care more about your, like it was a question about, do your your parents love you more if you have higher grades Mm -hmm. or do they love you the same? And like 90% of the kids said they love me more if I have higher grades. What do you think? If you bring home straight A's, you think we're going to love you more? No. No? You think we're going to love you less if you bring home all F's? No. Oh. But we might buy you a donut or something. From Krispy Kreme? Uh, I'm just Krispy kidding. Krispy Kreme is the best donuts. Yes, they do. It does. They do. Um, I'm just kidding. We, you know. Oh, wait. The- actually, I feel like you'd get me a donut if I came home with all Fs because I'd be sad. Oh. But not if I came home with A. Yeah, so if you want donuts, just <laughs> fail everything. <laughs> and we'll be like, are you sad? Here's a donut. Yes. Because food solves everything. Not. Especially Krispy Kreme donuts. Uh, we've been having, the reason we're talking about it. We bought 16. How many did we buy? We bought like 20. We're kind of overloading the Krispy Kreme donuts habit, I, I think. I don't think we are. I don't think we are because the intention, which didn't work out this weekend, is we get some for ourselves and then we buy a mini box to give to somebody. How many do we buy for ourselves? A dozen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess so. And we still have like, Eight left or six left. We have a lot left. Yeah, we're not we, eating them. We all. eat them. Yes, we uh, eat them. yes, we do. They're staring at me every time I walk in the kitchen. And we just get them. I'm very close to my microphone. We just get them on Sunday, yes. so it's not like we're eating them all the time. Sunday fun day. Um, but this right. is not a Krispy Kreme review. No, no, it it's not. not. Sorry, sorry, we got off track. Um, so where are we going here? Sweetie? Okay, so um, uh, anything else about? Um, so basically, I just wanted to read something here that. We wrote down. So the motivations behind all like the altruistic events um, are not always as pure as they seem. Even Mia saying that she's going to work at the house Mm -hmm. to help Elena. She's working at the house so she can watch Pearl. And she's snooping. Well. She's a little snooper. Both of those things. You know what I mean? So, um, So sometimes the characters think they're doing good to do good, but really they're causing harm yes. through their out and I'm putting altruistic in quotes. Actually we kind of nicknamed this show awkward. Is this- oh yeah. There's literally every like a lo- conversation is very awkward. Yes. yes. And I think when we're talking about and this is why I, I was like, come on, Jason Cameron, you guys watch it too, because I think when we're talking about race or class or sexuality or parenting or whatever, it's gonna get messy. Sure. And we have to expect it. Now the reason why this show is more difficult is it's based in the 90s. So I don't think, I think some of the thoughts or the beliefs are still true today, but it was a little more, some of the things that people said, you know, like I'll just give you an example, very small, but it would make us go, oh, like um, Pearl and um, Brian, who are both black. They are at dinner mm-hmm. and they're being introduced. And Elena's like, oh, you two will have so much in common. Okay. And, it's, and everyone's like, huh. And Brian has a great quote. He's like, oh, you like rap and basketball too? Yes. Like he he rolls with the stereotype but is offended by it. Yes. You know? Yes. 
like rolls with it, meaning he's not he's not surprised. No, it's because he's he's heard that his whole life. Correct. And it's this assumption because somebody has a certain color skin that they're going to like rap in basketball. Exactly, and that they're going to somehow have everything in common mm-hmm. because they happen to be of the same race. Right. Um, when their backgrounds, especially Brian and Pearl, yeah. are very different. Mm-hmm. You know, like where Brian grew up versus where yeah, Pearl grew Brian up. Brian was a Richie from when he showed up from probably. Shaker Heights, from and Shaker he was going Heights. to Princeton, yep. and he was the top football player and then you have pearl who who's moved around her whole life who's had a very different existence so yeah. their race is just something that makes them similar yeah. not the same um so um so okay so this is kind of i'm going to go back to the uh, to the i'm a good person identity versus behavior okay like who you think you are okay versus who you really are okay so like identity I can't tell you, I, I wish I would have pulled this up and I would have to pull up the whole show. I'm, I'm not going to be able to find it, but how many times Elena says, I'm a good person? Yes. There should be a montage on YouTube of her saying, <laughs> I'm a good person. Well, what that tells me is that she doesn't believe it. Correct. Like you protest too much. And there is a point when Bill finds the receipt from her dinner in New York. Yeah. Do you remember that? I Sky? And... He says to her, he basically says, he pulls out his smokes because all of a sudden Bill starts smoking. Yeah, Pacey, what are you smoking cigarettes for? <laughs> it was it was a dem- it was a rebellion. Yeah. It's like I'm not gonna follow what you're telling me that to do. That was his small way of rebelling. It was. He didn't want to call his wife out at the time for being unfaithful to him, so instead he just smokes a cigarette. And let's get deep. It was a little fire. It was. It was. And they were everywhere. And they, there was a lot of little fire. There were. Ev- oh, when they lit her picture, you know, in the long uh, vertical strips. Well, do you guys want to go to... Izzy was always playing with fire. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so let's go to that one because I was talking about fire as a metaphor. So Izzy was always playing with fire. Mm-hmm. Like she had a lighter. Yeah, she had a lighter. Um, Elena's artwork. Yep part of her artwork from the very beginning, not just when she got to Shaker, but when she was with Pauline, she would, um, her art was taking pictures and then burning it. Yes. So burning parts of it to give it, it more context or something yeah, like contour, that. Contour, whatever yeah, the contour. word is. Um, and then obviously the house is set on fire. Um, and then you guys, this was like one that I was like, this is so cool. Where does BB leave the baby? The firehouse. <laughs> I yeah. didn't realize that. I know. Yeah. The baby, you know, BB leaves the baby. So BB, who is the mother of, she has two different names. Mei Ling is her given name. Mm-hmm. And then when she's adopted by the wealthy family in Shaker Heights, they rename her Mirabelle. So when we're talking about BB, we call her Mei Ling. And when we're talking about the McCulloughs, we call her uh, Mirabelle. But she leaves him or she leaves uh, Mei Ling at a fire station. So there's even more. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, Bill, his rebellion is lighting cigarettes. Well, it's funny. Like I didn't want, I think I missed the first one or mm-hmm. two episodes. You missed the first one. And I, up until I just watched the trailer when I played it for this podcast, I knew that there was a big fire, but I didn't know it was Elena's house. Oh. So the whole series, I'm like, what's the big, I know there's a big fire. I didn't know if it was going to be the rental house. I didn't know if it was going to be the school. I didn't know if it was going to be the house. So it would have been nice to know that. I suppose I should watch a trailer before I invest seven hours of my time into a So episode. something else that I found out is that the ending in the book is not the same Ooh. as it is in the movie. Tell me, tell me. Okay. What's the ending? What do you, do you guys have a guess of the ending I, in the book? Can I just play one quick clip from the last episode? Sure. This is when Elena's pretty much horrible. Oh, great. What are you doing? She's 
fine. She's just upset, that's all. What is the matter with you? Get off of me! You need professional help! This infatuation with Mia, this crush... It's not a crush! That was April! She was my girlfriend for a fucking year! Mia was the one person who actually cared about me! I just wanted her to be my mom. A mom who actually loved me. A mom who is nothing like you! Do you think I wanted a daughter like you? I never wanted you in the first place! Mom! Like, whoa. Well, and the person who just screamed mom was Lexi. Yeah, like, like mm-hmm. ba- pump the brakes, mom. So every kid, so Lexi, Moody, and uh, Trip. Trip are Trip. watching her say this to Izzy, and they are, like, mortified. Yeah. It's like all the things everyone had been thinking. Like, Lexi had a moment, you guys, um, uh, maybe at the episode before, when Izzy confronts her about her abortion and the fact that Pearl is being, you know, people think that it's Pearl. And Lexi says, go ahead and tell mom, because who's she going to believe, mm-hmm. you or me? So the whole family knew that she Izzy had zero power She's in that family. Sheep. She is. Um, but that moment, I think they were mortified by their, again, it's the veneer versus the truth. Well, and this is the first time you finally saw her, Reese's ugliness, Elena's ugliness. Bust through. Bust through. Well, like, you see it a few times, but this is the most extreme. Yeah, but the other time she's always like trying to like protect her image or like look better than, but this is, she's just ugly. She's <sighs> just letting it all out. I know. And and when you listening to it now, I know the two of you were just watching the video, but all Izzy's saying, like she says a hurtful thing, like I want Mia to be my mom. She understands me. But really she says is I want a mom who loves me. Mm-hmm. I want a mom. So like one of the messages of this book is like the child you think you're supposed to have or going to have versus the child you have. Yeah. And that even thinking, and again, all new parents think I'm going to have a child. They're going to be this way. They're going to like this. They're not going to. But as soon as you become a parent, you realize, like we'll talk about Skylar since she's here. Skylar came in the world as Skylar. Like not, she didn't come into the world like me Mm -hmm. or like you. She came into the world a certain way. And she had things that she liked and things that she didn't and coats that she wore backwards and striped pants. And there wasn't like us trying to micromanage that yeah. or say, no, you need to look or be a certain or way. Or even mold. Or even like mold. We were like, oh, we're molding our kids. I'm like, I don't even know. I think molding is too strong of a word. I think it's allow and love and keep safe, but then let them, let them go do who, whatever they want to do and whoever they want to be. Yeah. And obviously the, Elena wasn't doing a lot of that. So like Skyler, just a question, not, you know, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but as far as Izzy went, did you feel sadness for Izzy? Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much who you feel sadness for the most, right? That's what I thought. She's the one that you like want to rally around. I know. And she's not perfect, but she's the closest thing to perfect other than Moody, who I love. Or the cab driver. Cab driver and the photographer. (laughs) The three of us had these jokes about people in the show. There's just not many good people in the show. Well, there's not many un... There's not a lot of characters that you 100% root for. Right. Because really the truth is we all have monstrous or, you know, dark sides. Like none of us are perfect. But we like there was a moment like Elena's in New York and her cab driver's so nice. And we're like, we just. (laughs) Finally. A breath of fresh air. (laughs) We're like a nice cab driver. But Izzy, tell me something that she was bad at or something she was mean about. Well, I mean, she was she. 
her reasons for being mean, she's 14 years old. Yeah, it came out sideways, right. but she had r- pretty good cause for things to come out sideways. Yeah, she, the, the fact that it didn't come out even more sideways. Yes. Well, you know what I'm getting Until away from? Until she wanted to burn her whole house down. Well, and guess who burned down the house in the book? <sighs> Don't tell me. Don't tell me. So first, let's talk about who actually burned the house down. It was not Izzy. It was Moody. Well, Izzy started. Izzy but she did But she didn't end up doing it. Correct. She poured some gas on right. her bed. But they, Izzy was out of the house when it started on Correct. fire. It was Trip and Moody and Lexi. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so who? What's the actual? Do you, hold. Do you have any guesses? Uh, I don't. I don't have one. I mean, I have an a few ideas, but I don't want to. You want to keep it to yourself? Yeah. Um, I have no idea. Well, unfortunately, it was Izzy. Oh, it was. Oh. I kind of, I, I would have bought that more than what happened. Yeah. What happened was too extreme. Moody and Trip and Lexi all of a sudden went from being these dutiful kids falling into line to hating their life and their mom to the point where they're going to burn the whole house down. But it didn't go zero to 60. The whole show is about them realizing, I mean, look at Moody's trajectory you know he went from being pearl's friend to having trip turn on him to seeing them kick izzy out in the way they treated her he wasn't connected to his parents and then trip you know falling in love with pearl and then seeing how his mom treated and then lexi yeah she totally saw it i think my i think the rational part of my brain is like it's i could see izzy going nuts and doing that Mm -hmm. but it's hard for me to believe that three separate people would have all done something so irrational Mm -hmm. um so i think i would have preferred the one in the book Mm -hmm. than in the movie i don't prefer anything i i I like the ending that it wasn't izzy's fault me too oh really yeah i i don't like that so one of the things that um i think celeste ing said was that her assumption was that Izzy did leave. You know, they couldn't find her mm. after the fire. And her assumption as the writer was that because she was 15 years old, she was eventually going to have to come home. Mm. Like people who, kids who run away, yeah. they can only Yeah, what are you going to do? Right. Unless she's got a bank account somewhere. But I think in the book, her intention is to go to Mia's parents' house. Yes. In Philadelphia. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is that what they did? What did? Well, that's what Mia and Pearl do, but that is also Izzy's plan. But Izzy never goes there in the movie. Not in the movie. We yeah. don't see it. Right. But we see the dream of her. She's having a dream while she's on the bus that that um, Mia picks her up. Yeah. That she's hitchhiking. Right. So they kind of played with all of that yeah. and changed the end to make it more, maybe not as obvious. Yeah. Well, I thought you said early on, this is like a few episodes okay. in, you thought it was Bibi who was going to do it. Right. Well, there was a feeling, right? Yeah. We, I think we, I, I mean, in the book it was Izzy, but I thought that that was too obvious and something else was going to happen. And, and she was the only character left that may, might do it. Right. And Bibi had such a reason. Yeah. To be not a reason to burn someone's house down. Don't get me wrong, but her anger. She had motivation. She did. Yeah. And oh, but instead, she just she stole did something else. She stole her baby. Back. Right. Because you can see how, like, we may say, well, why would BB burn down Elena's house? It was also Bill's house. And Bill was the lawyer. Well, and Elena's the one oh, who funded yeah, 
Elena's the one who funded. She she Elena's the start of all this crap. Oh, that's right. Elena tried to pay her off. She started everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This this yeah, should instead everything. be called Elena starts a bunch of bad stuff. Actually, at the end, when the police asked her what uh, who would set her house on fire. She said that she did it, but it was more like she did all of this. Yeah. Yes. It's like a, you're exactly right. Like she's not literally like I did it, Mm -hmm. but I basically did Mm -hmm. because everybody who burned this house down did it because of the things I did. Um, Okay. So. Yeah. So we're 49 minutes. I know. So just a few other things. Um, In the, 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 I'm a good person thing. Another thing that's just remembering this moment is when Lexi and Brian are breaking up. Um, Lexi and Brian starts asking her, like asking her if she sees race and understands him as, as a black man. Mm-hmm. And she, all she says is I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. Like she can't just, oh, yeah. do you know what I mean? It's become like the, the Richardson line, yeah. which is I'm a good person. So, okay. So we already talked about fire. Um, and then birds. Okay. So the, just a few things about birds that I picked up on. Yeah. So ready? Birds, yeah. Just a few. Um, when Elena is having her flashbacks with her boyfriend, what was his name from from before? Jamie. Jamie. It was yeah, it was Jamie. Jamie. They are in a bar and they're dancing to "Fly, Robin, Fly." Do you remember that? I don't. Okay. I remember that because she when she goes to get the pacifier, it she hears that, that song. song. Oh wow. Okay, so "Fly, Robin, Fly" is like it's the quite song. a road trip to get the pacifier. By the way. Well, yeah, she she took a detour. Um, and remember when Bill leaves and he's like, I'm going to go get my own pacifier. Yes. So if you haven't watched the show, that doesn't make any sense to you. But then the next thing is in the flashback with the kids being young, mm-hmm. um, Izzy finds a cardinal that's hurt. Yes. Do you remember? Mm-hmm. And she brings the cardinal in the house because she's worried for the cardinal because mm-hmm. it's hurt, which gives you an indicator of Lizzie's heart, of yeah. Izzy's heart. She is that cardinal that's she hurt. She is. Yeah. And, but she's also got that, not only is, is it her, but she, she loves, you know, she's got a big heart. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, Elena gets really mad da, 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 and the bird, they like shoo the bird out and there's a feather that she kept, that she kept, that Izzy kept. And then do you remember the last scene? There was a, the feather was at the heart of Mia's artwork. Exactly. And the feather was in a cage, mm-hmm. like a bird cage. Yes. So there's a theme. So the theme, the bird theme is freedom. Yeah. Right? Like that's what everybody didn't have. Right. Like Elena didn't have freedom. Mia. Bill didn't have freedom. Mia didn't. Pearl didn't. None of the kids had freedom. So like it's what um, and, and even within Shaker Heights, Brian didn't have freedom. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of some, some of the other. April didn't have freedom. April yeah. wasn't allowed to be who she is. None of the parents. Linda, Bibi didn't mm-hmm. have freedom. Um, one of the scenes that really has nothing to do with, with these things, but do you guys remember the scene when Bibi goes to get formula and she's missing 75 cents? 70 cents. 70 cents. Yes. And the woman says, get out of here. Yeah. And then... Izzy goes to get on a bus and she's missing 70 cents. And the bus driver says, it's fine. It's just another beautiful example of white, of race, white privilege. White privilege. Exactly. That this, this little girl can, can do this, but this um, 
Chinese woman, yeah. Asian woman. She's Chinese. Um, they nobody had or that woman didn't have compassion for her. So these there were small things in this show that were really powerful. Um, so oh, there, there's so many things. Okay, so cages. One more thing about cages. Do you know, did you notice how in the movie they talked about Sylvia Plath's the bell jar a bunch of times? No. Okay. Do you remember? No. So there, when they meet Pearl, Moody is impressed with Pearl because she's actually read the bell jar by Sylvia Plath. Mm. Oh, do you remember yeah, that? I remember this. And do you remember when Tripp says, I really like you, but I don't even know what the bell jar is. Yeah. Okay. So. I don't think Skylar, being that the grade she's in, I don't think she's gotten to Sylvia Plath yet. But do you? Did you ever have to read it? No idea what you're talking about. Right okay, now. so Sylvia Plath was a writer, and she uh, obviously a woman who struggled with mental wellness. Okay, she eventually took her own mm. life. But the question is really always about: Was she really mentally unwell, or was she burdened by what it means to be a woman in sure. her time? So she talks about. Uh, let's see. I wanted to read something about. The bell jar addresses the question of socially acceptable identity. It examines the quest to forge your own identity to be yourself rather than what others expect you to be. So, you know, in the book, there's a character named Esther, and she feels a prisoner to her domestic duties and fears the loss of her inner self. So even that, like, small thing of the bell jar, is it parallels the story. There's a ton of symbolism that probably most of which went over my head. Well, and here's the thing is I know for people who have read the book who are listening to this, they're probably annoyed because they're like, oh, Kathy, that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, there's a lot more. Because in a book, there's always so much more symbolism where we're just picking up on the things they put into yeah. the miniseries because I have never read this book. Would you? So you would never go back and read this book, would you? Oh, I probably would if someone gave it to me just for fun. Even though you watched the miniseries. I, there's so much more in the book. I'd be like, no, no thanks. But see, I think Skylar and I are the same in that like she reads books over and over again and yeah. so do I. And sometimes it's fun to read it knowing who these people are. Oh, it's it's an easier read for sure. Yeah. Um so I've got Speaking like, of which, uh in Celeste Ng's source novel, uh she kept Mia Warren's race deliberately vague and undefined. Oh, I didn't know that. With the casting of Carrie Washington in the Mia Warren role in this adaptation, Warren became a black character. During an April 2020 interview with Terry Gross, which I guess is this month, on on NPR, Fresh Air, Washington said, when I met Celeste, the writer, for the first time, she actually admitted to me that she had always thought of Mia as a woman of color and that she had been drawn to the idea of writing Mia as a black woman, but she didn't feel like she had the authoritative Uh, voice uh, to do that in the right way. mm -hmm. And so she was kind of vague about her race in the novel. It's so interesting. So it was, it was exciting that we were in step with Celeste in diving into the places where she wanted to go, uh, grow out of the book in ways that already lived in her. You know what? I commend Celeste because I think that's how a lot of books um, sometimes struggle is mm-hmm. because they write about characters that they don't that they understand. don't really understand. Yeah. And um, there's a book that I can't remember what it is, but that ended up being a book club book this year for Oprah. Mm-hmm. And it was about it was an immigrant story. Mm. And the woman who wrote it was not an immigrant. Uh, I, I might be bungling this, but I know Oprah got a lot of pushback and the author did, too. Like. 
why are you getting paid and getting all this money for this experience that you don't even, it, it just felt, it felt a little tone deaf sure. to people. Um, I have not read the book, so I have no comment on it personally. I'm just talking about the controversy. Right, right. Um, so let's see the two last things. Okay. Cause one of the things in this story is choice. You know, as far as choice for a woman, mm -hmm. uh, whether or not to have a child, which that's a whole nother thing. So yep. we're not going to dive into that. But money, does rich mean a better life? Don't no. you think that's a question? Right. Oh, are you going to play something? <laughs> um, no, rich doesn't mean better. Rich means for me, um, I was going to say easier, but that's not the right word. Rich means more options. It can mean some freedom. But also there's, you know, you give me 10 million bucks, I think I'm a mess unless I'm going to give away 99% of it because I think money creates problems too. It can. Mm -hmm. For sure. Well, you know, sometimes we live in a community that there's there's a lot of wealth in this community. And um, sometimes when we drive around, especially I think Skyler and I the most, when we drive around and look at houses, we love to look at big houses. Like mm -hmm. there's... It's fun, sure, but I always feel a need, and maybe Skyler, I'm annoying, but to remind that what's going on in that house is no different <laughs> than what's going on in other people's houses. For sure. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I say that a lot, don't I? You know, just kind of like a, you know, don't, don't, it, it like. It, well, and I also think it's a privileged thing. Like, I'm like, oh, no, money sometimes makes it harder. It's very easy for me to say. Correct. Because there's people out there that are struggling to make ends right. meet. Survival. So I guess I just need to um, call myself out. Right. On that. Well, and again, money, like choice, like race, like class, these are messy, messy discussions. Yeah. Because there's, you know, the fact that we called this show Aukie. Mm -hmm. um, that oh. Awk, we're like awk is exactly what it is. Like we had moments of like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. But the only way to talk about these things is to get uncomfortable. Yeah. And so that's the the challenge of is something that I always struggled with or and still struggle with is talking about these things and then having someone come back to me and saying, You didn't say that right, or you offended me the way you said that. And my intention is good, but it doesn't matter if my intention's good because it didn't land well. Intention versus impact. Exactly. And, and uh, one's not more important than the other. They're both important because I've gotten burned by only worrying about my intention. Right. Like, oh, I wasn't trying to help you fix your problems, sweetie. I just wanted to help you. And right. you don't want a, me to fix your problems. Whereas if it's just impact, that's not necessarily good either because my intention plays a role in that. So anyways. Well, and especially in these kind of things where we can say like, you know, the book I was talking about before or Celeste, you know, in writing a book and writing about people of a different race, which she she didn't like yeah. she basically left it ambiguous, like she said. But people say, but I'm trying to write about stories that make, you know, th that bring people into a greater awareness or open their minds. So my intention was good, but it's like, but you didn't write, you wrote the people stereotypically or right. you don't have enough personal experience to really discuss this. Right. And it can feel offensive at first because, but that's part of white fragility yep. is I, I, it, this will be a, a life long. Never get there. Experience for me because sometimes I still hit walls sure. and then I have to realize how I'm, I have fragility. Yep. <laughs> and so, you know, it's constant, but, um, 
So the last thing that we'll talk about is mothers and daughters. So I get to do this with my daughter. Yay. So let's talk about all the mothers and daughters. Elena and her mother. Do you remember her mother? Oh, yeah. I remember her. Do you, do you she rem- a pain in the butt? She, I don't remember her. Well, she was a little... <clears throat> well, I feel like she was a little like Elena was when yes. she was a mother. Yes. And very uh, disconnected. She drank a lot. Because mm-hmm. Elena makes a few comments of like, well, don't call her after three because then you're talking to a bottle of gin. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when Elena is trying to make her own choices regarding her children, her mom's like, no, that's not what we do. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so then Elena, Lexi and Izzy, Elena yeah. parents Lexi very different than she parents Izzy. Yeah. Well, actually, she parents them the same. Lexi's Which just willing to go. Mm-hmm. Right. Good point. Mia and her mother. Interesting. I feel like a lot of times, oh, Mia and her mama, I, th- I was thinking of Mia and Pearl. No, Mia and her mother. Do you remember her oh. mother? I didn't see Oh my very... God, that mom was awful. Yeah, she was pretty bad, but disowned her... she was nothing like Mia was to Pearl. No. She disowned her daughter on the day of her son's funeral. Because Mia was pregnant and her mother didn't want people talking. So she said, stay home. And it's interesting because I'm sure in the book there's more to it because mm-hmm. then Mia never, until the end. Yeah, that's it. She's like, all right, I'm out of this family, yeah. just like that. She felt disowned. But at the end, that's where they go, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Did you assume they were at that house? I think they showed that us, was, didn't yeah, they? they showed us their house. That okay. Yeah, like first Pearl went in. Yeah. And then Mia got out of the car. But that was definitely their house. Yes. Okay. Um, so Mia, that's Mia and her mother. Mia and Pearl, that's a very different relationship. And when, for me, a lot of the time, I felt like Pearl was the grown-up. Correct. Same. Yeah. Or if not the grown-up, a grown-up with her mom. Yeah. Like a peer. And I feel like that happens a lot with um, mother-daughter, only child type of relationships. Like, you know, there's no there's no partner. There's no siblings. Like, I, I think they're much more likely to... Um, become peer. Become peer much earlier, much sooner. And there's a discussion around, is that a problem? No. As I long as everybody... I don't think yeah, so. I, 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 I can, I, I'm not a good person to cast judgment on any single parents out there. Parenting is hard enough. Right, Skylar? Uh, yeah. Even with two, two sane parents, it's freaking hard. And I can only imagine what it's like with one. Well, and the, what's the definition of sane? I'm always like, you know, picking at your words because even with two parents. Well, we're not in the mental hospital. Well, but even that, a mental hospital doesn't mean, like that can mean someone needs support. Right. I'm just trying to like 2020 your words a little right. bit. Do you know what I mean? Clean me up, sweetie. Clean, I'm just trying to clean up some some messes because that's what uh, Little Fires is about. Um, so Mia and Izzy, they have a mother-daughter yes, relationship. very much so. Right. Um, we're almost done. I'm sorry, I just have a hard time staying still. I know, move around, walk around. Skyler's gonna walk around. See, don't you wish in school we could just walk around? You know around what? If we Elena were here, she would not let you sit up, <laughs> stand up off that chair. So Mia and Izzy are like a mother daughter kind of situation. Elena and Pearl mm-hmm. are a mother daughter kind of situation. Yep. Linda and Mirabelle, Bibi and Mei Ling. Yes. Um, and so the, the question, and I, and we're not going to answer this completely right now, but what does it mean to be a good mother? Right. Take care of yourself. Right. And that is, you know, what does it mean? And these are all these mother daughter situations are completely different. 
all of them, there is a love intention. Yeah, the intention's there. Right. The impact doesn't go very well between Elena and Izzy. So I kind of feel like we'll leave that, and not that I have an answer to the question, um, but we'll leave it gray because mm-hmm. I think depending on your situation, your age, your home environment, your the you know your child, your temperament, their temperament, it's going to look different. Messy. And I think that the bottom line, like one of the um, one of the things I love in uh, Glennon Doyle's book Untamed, is her. We, I've already talked about her once today. Is that she talks about how when she was trying to figure out what to do in her family, the first thing she did was Google like you know, should I divorce my husband, even though he's a good dad? Mm -hmm. And first of all, the fact that she Googled that was, you know, traumatic enough. But what she realized is depending on the group you associate with, meaning are you like, consider yourself a Christian mom or do you consider yourself a, you know, uh, if you're already a divorced parent, if you don't, it's just like, depending on who you are, you're going to have a different opinion. Yeah. What, and do you have ideology or do you, right. you know, and where do you come from, which seems most normal? Right. What is your family's pattern? Because, yeah. you know, you hear so many stories from, you know, I'll just talk about my clients, you know, if their parents are still together, they feel like they could never divorce yeah. because they're like, but my parents stayed together or my, my brother's still with his wife or, or, you know, the vice versa, their parents will be divorced and then they'll say, I don't think marriage can ever work. Yeah. So it's like we, you know, sometimes we feel too aligned sure. with, you know, we, we don't. Well, it's hard to go out. Families. It's hard to break a pattern. Yes. Um, so I guess my friends, um, actually Todd and Skylar, yeah. is there anything else you would like to say about this show? Um, I liked it as much as I liked Morning Show. I loved this show. Did you it really? It was really good. What what did you like, Sky? I was hoping it was going to be more of a mystery, and it was definitely more of a drama. Yes. Well, it's no Austin Powers, that's for sure. Oh gosh. <laughs> Which is the international man of mystery. We showed Sky their Austin Powers, and she kept asking throughout the movie, "Where's the mystery?" Because yeah. Mom told me at the beginning it was a mystery, and when I asked at the end, she said he was a man of mystery. <laughs> Sky, there's only one Knives Out. You're not going to get that. What about the Stranger? The right, the Stranger. Yeah, that was pretty good. Oh. oh. Whoa, whoa, oh, 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 Um, so why don't we finish with playing? There is one last clip, I think, of like Carrie uh, Washington and Reese Witherspoon talking about this show, so we can kind of close out with their discussion. So there's two of them. Okay. I don't know which of the two. You what do they to. say? Oh, actually, no. There's only one. Yeah, you're right. It's the same one that we played earlier, right? Right, but you, we didn't play it. Meaning, you started playing it, and I said that's the wrong one. Right. Yes. So, Skylar. Phenomenal. Wait, pause. I was going to like kind of close out and then people could listen to that. It's a three minute 17 thing. I know we won't play the whole thing, but do you want to play it and then finish the discussion? No, no, let's finish now. Okay. So, Skylar, thank you for joining us. It was fun watching this with you, even though it was heavy because we had good, good talks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yes, indeed. indeed Yeah. And Todd, uh, thank you for watching because I think the initial one, you were not, you were like, all right, but I think you ended well, up. Well, you told me about the first one on a walk. Ah. I didn't watch the first one. Did you watch the first one with me? Yeah. Okay. I didn't watch the second one. Yeah, I just didn't watch the second one, I think. Got it. Got it. Got it. No, I didn't watch the third one. And because there was at one point where you said this, I'm, I think I'm done. Yeah. And then she mm-hmm. came back. So why, why did you come back? Because it was on the TV and it was interesting. So okay. I, 
stayed. Good reason. Yes. Okay, so we'll close out with this interview um, with Reese and uh, Carrie, and we hope you guys enjoy Little Fires Everywhere. We did. Yes. The book is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's a beautifully written. The language in it is gorgeous, and it really dis- explores motherhood from many different perspectives. All mothers struggle. Money hides it. <laughs> but you can't put a price on a mother's love. Maybe you should wear your hair down. It's, would- long. it's actually your best feature. So is it just you and your mom? Mm-hmm. We move around every few months. She hides stuff, just like everybody else. When I read the book, I thought, this is perfect for a miniseries because it's very closed-ended. And the person I, top of my list, would want to work with was Carrie Washington. Lucky me. (laughs) Because she's Carrie Washington. (laughs) And um, so smart and insightful and a fabulous actress and also a great partner to really bring this to the screen in a way that I thought would be different. Yeah. Yeah, it was really so exciting to get that email from Reese that she had found something she thought might be right for us, and she sent it over, and I read it, and I fell in love with Celeste's novel. I just thought it was beautiful, and the idea of working together on it and partnering and birthing this baby of ours that we're very proud of today. I called the person that you listed as your previous landlord, and strangely... Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode, and feel free to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Also subscribe to our Zen Parenting Radio podcast, where we discuss self-awareness and mindfulness, sharing the latest research and pop culture. We're on our ninth year, but there's still always something new to discuss. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out our third podcast, otherwise known as Team Zen. One of our team members described it as an advice column meets group help meets like-minded community. With your $25 subscription, you get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions, plus a Facebook community where you can interact or just listen to like-minded parents. If you can't join us live, you can still access all the Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. Zen Parenting Conference 2020 is February 28th and 29th. We'll be discussing sex ed, gender, anxiety, neurodiversity, and healthy relationships. Go to zenparentingconference.com to get your tickets. Interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. And while you're there, check out our upcoming events or you can purchase one of my free books. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us link on our homepage. It doesn't cost anything to you, but we get a small commission from Amazon. And guys, I have a one-on-one coaching practice. It's called Coaching for Guys. If you want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationships with loved ones, we can talk in person, phone, FaceTime, you choose. And don't forget about Tribe Men's Group. We have a virtual community from men all over the world. Head on over to tribemensgroup.org or shoot me an email at Todd at ZenParentingRadio.com. It's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.